Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Right. So we're going on this collection of talks on what we believe. What does Coin Church, when we look at orthodoxy and doctrine and practice, what, is, what does Coin Church believe? And so we're going to kind of go through the next couple of weeks. Last week, I spoke on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, so counterformation. And then we have part two today. And I want you to give a, a very, I mean, she's our own. She's a part of the house. My wife, Kelly, is preaching this morning. So, Kel, if you want to come on up. And she's going to be, well, I'll let her take it from here. So I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Can you hear me? Check, check, check. One, two, three. Amazing. Well, I am excited, honored, and privileged to be able to be up here um, shout out to my fellow introverts. This is a call to more for me. Um, and each time it will be a call to more to me, but, um, I'm excited and thrilled. And before I kickstart, I am going to take part in what Sam's been modeling for us and honoring the scripture, honoring the word. So we are actually going to stretch those legs again, stand up, and we're going to stand for the reading of the word today. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up as we read to Acts 2. Verses 42 through 47. That's what we're going to dive into today. So it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions, to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord God, I... um, I invite you into this space, God. Let these words be unto you, Lord. What is spoken, glorify you, your kingdom, Lord. Let your will be done here today. That um, what comes out of my mouth ultimately just brings glory to you, Jesus. We're grateful for you and thankful for you. In your name we pray, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. So, like Sam was saying, uh, we are in kind of collection of talks on what we believe. So you can see on the screen, maybe in a minute, we have our title, and I am on part two, Radical Discipleship. Sam gave part one last week. I'm on part two. And if I could do a subtitle, I would say it is community required. Sam shared so many good pieces last week, and it left me thinking, okay, these are so practical and so tangible, but without community... What does that mean then? Community is required. So here at COIN, if you, if you want to be considered a disciple, you can't do it alone. You cannot go through it alone. And to be honest, in our Western culture, many of us choose to walk through this faith journey solo. Me and my Bible app, me and my prayer time, I'm just going to do it. It's all just me and Jesus, our time. But it's not just that. In order to participate in the true biblical context of what discipleship means and radical discipleship, countercultural to what we see today in our age, means we have to partner with people, community. All of these faces in this room, that is 
people, community, we get to live and do life with, right? And this is what the passage that we just read is depicting for us in the early church. I was talking to Sam about this, and I was like, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking in my teacher brain, I'm like, I see nouns, I see verbs, I see adjectives, and I'm reading it, and literally the first thing that popped out into my head was the verb, the action, the first action point of this, and it is they devoted themselves. That means the church had to commit. They had to devote themselves to what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, and that meant they devoted themselves for what we just read, teaching, preaching, breaking of bread, all of these things, fellowship, they had to be committed before they could actually step into the realization of what God had for them in that. Yes? Are we here still? All right. Um, I want to read to you guys really quick a quote. Sam uh, shared it last week. He shared it that John Mark Comer shared it, and John Mark Comer got this from Dallas Willard, and it is to be a disciple of Jesus means to be an apprentice of Jesus is to order our lives around three goals. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Today we're going to be focusing on that becoming like Jesus, the discipleship, the refinement. What does that look like? There are many things, concepts, terminology in the church. There's this terminology called orthodoxy. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. It basically means to um, agree with God about what God said, his teaching, what he's telling you um, through the scriptures, right? And then in line with orthodoxy is this term coined orthopraxy. And that means you're learning, you're teaching, you're understanding the doctrine of his word, and now you're practicing it. But you're not just practicing it just to practice it. You're practicing it in, in alignment with the scripture says. You're pursuing the righteousness, the Christ-likeness. So we have orthodoxy, orthopraxy. So in discipleship, we get to step into that orthopraxy model process, okay? And what's beautiful, I don't know if you guys know, but coin, koinonia, the purpose the meaning of koinonia is fellowship for one purpose, Jesus. So us coming into this building, Coin, Coin Church, we are participating in that fellowship right now in community with people. So as I'm digging deeper into this, I want you guys to think about those things. Okay, orthodoxy. What does God say about God, his word, his scripture? Okay, orthopraxy. Now how do I model this? How do I live this out? And that's exactly what the very first church is depicting in this passage that we read. So the passage is just showing us, okay, so the Holy Spirit comes on the church, gives birth to the church for the first time. Peter Peter is preaching the gospel, and at this time in what we're reading, the church grows from 120 people to 3,000 people in one day. That is wild. That is a move of the Spirit. The Spirit is moving. There is no doubt. Like, imagine coming in one day, there's 100 pe- 120 people here, and then within that same day, it is crowded with 3,000 people. That is like, okay, Holy Spirit, come, let your will be done. You are making it known. You are here. Show up, show off, go ahead, right? And so, in response to this, what the Spirit is doing, we just read, it is the verb. He is, he is, the Holy Spirit is impressing upon the church. Okay, church, commit, step in, covenant, agree to partner in this, what this looks like for 
not just preaching, not just singing, not just these things, for the collective community discipleship process of this. And it all starts with them first. And I'm going to keep saying it because I really want to hit this, and it all starts with them first being what? Do you guys know? Are you listening? Devoted. They have to be devoted. They have to be committed. So Jesus dies on the cross, raises from the dead. We should know this if we consider ourselves disciples, Jesus followers, and reveals himself to to the world um, and basically says, here's my power, here's my Holy Spirit. Okay, church responds and said, wow, that's amazing. You know, people were sharing about him raising from the dead. Can you believe it? I can only imagine the buzz going on during this time. And then all throughout the deep, deep, deep relational context of this, the New Testament is impressed with this deep priority of commitment, of community. Like I'm going to say, community is required if we are to consider ourselves disciples. So I'm going to give you guys some points today. And if you want to jot them down, if you brought your journal, please do, because there's going to be notes to follow it. So our first point that I want to share is, what is a biblical community? We have so many examples in our world of what community actually could be, but is it what a biblical community is? I could go to the YMCA and get connected to the YMCA community, but is that biblical community? I could go to a group, hang out with friends, and we all really vibe, and we like Doc Martens, and we wear loose jeans, and we talk about things that we get together, and we agree upon, kind of, but not everything, but is that biblical community? That is not the definition of what biblical community is. Biblical community is what we were made for. Human nature, us. We were made for community, biblical community, and it is hardwired into our very being, into our very nature. From the minute we were born, there's an author of a book called Relational Souls, and it says this. I'm going to read it to you. At the core of our being is this truth. We are designed for and defined by our relationships. Oh, wow, the people we have around us, that matters. We're designed for and defined by our relationships. Born with a relentless longing to participate in the lives of others, fundamentally, we are relational souls. We cannot be relational. We cannot exist well without connection and communion with another. So that is telling me from the minute we are born, I mean, I, I just gave birth to Zoe. She is already, three months ago, she is already dependent on mom. She is relational in that aspect of like, I can't just leave her when she's born and just, you're good. I, I can't do that. She is already participating in the act of what it is to be relational, to be dependent on just relationship, community, that reliance on just growing and maturing. The next point that I want to give to you guys is biblical community is more than just Christian friends hanging It is more than you just getting together with your friends. We're Christian. Yeah, let's get together. Let's have a movie night and hang out. And and I'm not knocking that because you you should get together with your friends and have memories and embody the, the discipline of really experiencing the joy that God has for you. But if you are not getting together for the sake of, let's say, mission, with other people, inviting other people in. You are a closed-off circle. I don't know if you guys knew when COIN was created, we created 
Before our logo right now, it was a logo that had an open circle. And it was intentional. It was purposeful because many times when we get into circles with people, we realize the circle is closed off. And if you want to step in the circle, you kind of like, let me in. Or sometimes you don't even attempt. But if the circle is open, you know, hey, it's a safe space to walk into. It is a safe space to step into and be a part of. So it's not just hanging out with your Christian friends. It should be on the screen here in a minute, but I'm going to read through Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 34. And if you have it in your Bibles, I would open up to it. I'm going to open up in mine. Um, So Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 34 says this, And his mother and his brother came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. This is Jesus' mother and brothers, okay? And a crowd was sitting around Jesus, around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mothers and my brothers? Interesting. And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is a hard one to hear, a hard passage to hear. Even then, the, the amount of honor you give, even now in so many cultures, mom, dad, family, you honor, and, and rightfully so you should. But it is also saying, we are coming together, whoever does the will of God, these people who are meeting with me, coming together, doing a, the will of God, I'm sorry, mom, brother, if you're gonna pull me away from that, I am committed here. These people are committed to the will of God. I am moving forward here. And that is so hard to do and navigate through and almost sometimes hard to chew off, right? It's a hard bit to swallow, so to speak. But there is something to be said there. It redefines technically the institution of family in a communal context. That is redefining the institution of how we view family in communion, in communal context, And that honor that is held for your mother and father so high, it is now shifting from the biological sense to the spiritual sense. We are relating and we're moving towards in Christ-likeness. And when I first read that for a while, I was like, how, how, Jesus, how? How could I step into that? That is, that is, that's hard, but also it is a refinement process that you go through. You are walking together in that same direction. One thing that um, I want to hit on too with biblical community is more than just Christian friends hanging out for the point. Um, There are many times in community where if you are talking and you're in community with people, I will be real and honest. Sam, have I been in community so often? But sometimes community can hurt, right? Sometimes community can leave you scarred leave you wounded a little bit. Ah, they said that and that hurt. That hurt real bad. Um, But what you should not do, and I hope you never do, is let that hurt just sit and stay in community. Because the beauty of that is, okay, was that true? You take it to God. Okay, what, what was said? Was that true? Was that real? Was that accurate, Lord? If it was, okay, I should be humble before you, Lord. Teach me how to get better. Teach me how to do better. And with that, but if we don't take on that posture in the discipleship journey, 
then if we, so to speak, if Sam and I were to get hurt and we said, you know what, we're done with this coin. We're going to be out and we're going to take that hurt somewhere else and make it something. If we're not healing and we're not working through that hurt in discipleship with one another and Jesus, then that hurt is just going to operate and lead how we're going to navigate that next season. So if we said, we're done with coin, we're going to start our own church because it didn't work out the way we planned. Well, then woe to that community, right? Because we're leading out of a space of pain, hurt, and, and that is not what God is calling us into. He's saying, okay, discipleship, let's walk through this, let's work through this, and be okay with, okay, if you got hurt, what does that say? Where's your heart? Let's be humble, let's work through it. And it is, if it's not of me, then we will make that known. It is not for you, I will make that known, and we'll walk through it. So... In addition to that, I'm just going to hit on all the friend things that I've seen, and I am very much so, this has been me in seasons of life, where you come to a coffee shop and you sit down with friends too, and you say, okay, let's read about the scripture, but wait, 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 let me talk about this first. And you have your Bible open, and it is confession time, but you're not confessing to God. You're confessing to your friend about the things that you think were going wrong and happening It is not coffee shop Bible confession time, right? It is time to realign our heart in discipleship with people, not just to vent. And if it's vent or if you preface it as gossip, personally, I've learned if I say many times, like, it's not gossip, right? I'm like, okay, I'm already there. Walk away. It's gossip. I can't do that. I'm already setting myself up for failure and I'm trying to do better. Let's let's backtrack, right? So biblical discipleship, you miss the thing of Jesus when he has come for all nations, all tribes, when you don't invite people into that. Also, when you are talking poorly about people in the community and not just giving it to God or, or really just submitting it to his feet. Okay, God, this is what said. This is what was said about me. Is it true? Is it accurate? No, okay, we're going to move on from it. Or yes, it is, and I need to work through it, right? So submit those things. But remember, we don't exist just to hang out. We exist to become more like Jesus. So when we gather together, we are to become something. We are not just to simply exist here. We are not simply to sit and say, okay, God, let your will be done. Holy Spirit, come, and then that's it. It is a work. It is a process. It is a growing, and it is a turning of the soil. My next point is... Biblical community is the context for discipleship. In the New Testament, the one, one word that is spoken 59 times is one another. So that tells me in the New Testament, if Jesus was with the disciples, 12, the word one another, that means we are in community. We are not just, yes, we have our moments to retreat, silence and solitude, yes. But when you retreat, it is to get further in line with what Jesus is calling you to, what he is speaking to your heart and learning and growing. And when you retreat, you get filled up, yes, in that silent solitude. But when you step back into community, it is to step back into community, to do his will, to do his purpose, to do what he has called you for, okay? So one another is spoken 59 times, both with Jesus, with his disciples, and also when the church is established. Paul's letters, he consistently is referring to different people in churches. He even speaks about the house of Chloe. He speaks, and hear that, house, multiple people, multiple people, communities. In the book of Acts, we have seen the entire movement of one another moving the mission of God forward. It is not just 
one person. It is a missional thing. We come together, unify multiple people, community, community, community. And looking at the New Testament, you can't possibly be a disciple without others. The faith journey requires others. And like I was saying, the, the discipleship process is not ideal. Even in marriage, for example, before I got married to Sam, poor Sam, I had this idea of what I thought marriage was going to be, right? You have this vision, this idea, a fairy tale notion of, okay, it's going to be perfect. He is going to come home at this time. I'm going to go to bed at 10 p.m. because I'm not a night person and he won't want to stay up t- talking late at night because he is and I'm going to get all the sleep or whatever, whatever your idea is. My door will be open every single time I enter in the car. These ideas of what it should be, and it is most of the time, it is. Um, These ideas of what it should be, but the reality is community is not the ideal, ideal, perfect world. It is messy. Community is messy. People are messy. We walk in with the stuff that we carry sometimes, and it's a lot. Sometimes we have a lot of stuff to work through, but we are working through it. Like I said, we're not just standing and saying, okay, God, let your will be done, and not doing anything about it. We are processing with Jesus along the way. So community is not always ideal, but it will be real. It will call you to the reality of what it looks like to be authentic and real with your relationship with Jesus. And to be honest, even in the idea of, of uh, giving birth to Zoe and Lenya, when I was pregnant with Lenya, I was like, it's going to be so easy. She's just so great already, here confined in my stomach. And then she was born, and I kid you not, every two hours, I'm like, you need to eat that much you need to eat that much? And it's like my time, things were not ideal. She would, excuse this, but she would poop and it'd go across the room. Um, And it's like, okay, I didn't picture that. I knew it'd be messy, but not that messy. And it's this ideal picture of, okay, this is what I thought, but this is what actually I have to, what I have. And it's still beautiful. And it's still glorious and God you get the glory in that too even in the mess God I'm going to give you that glory God I'm going to give you that place I'm going to give you that ownership to work through me in that way Proverbs 13:20 says this and this is in regards to relationship and people and just that concept of um it's not always perfect okay Biblical community requires transformation. So if you're in relationship with people, Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and you will become wise for bad company of fools suffer harm. Proverbs 14 says, stay away from a fool for you will not find knowledge on their lips. First Corinthians 15 says it like this, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Could you guys agree that in this day and age, even with Instagram, um, there's an AI algorithm and it predisposes us into this space where the things we start to see are the things we actually think like, the people we look like, the people we, I guess, connect with better. It really like shifts the way we see culture because it's catering to us. 
it's catering to how we see. So if we're constantly scrolling and looking or being surrounded around people who are just like us, if those people that are just like us have a distorted view of God or have a different take and they're not encouraging, uplifting you, calling you to more like we say at here, here at Coin Church, then you will. Proverbs 13, walk with the wise, you will become wise. I sure want to become wise. I don't know about you. I want to. I don't want to be in company of fools because I don't want to suffer harm. I want to be stepping into a place where I'm surrounded by people with wisdom, even people with, like Sam says, gray hairs, people who have done life, who people who have been through seasons I may not have been through seasons of, but that requires what? Me to step out of my aloneness, my introvertedness, and step into community, step into deep, authentic relationships because you become the people you hang out with. There's a quote that says, show me your five best friends, I'll show you where you'll be in five years. That is so true, but if you have the concept of biblical community in your brain, you are gonna have people in your life calling you to more, saying, someone at work told you you're not good enough, hey, let me look into you and pour into you and tell you that is not of God, don't receive that. I see the good in you and a community that can say, hey, disregard what that said because I see all of these good qualities. I see that you spend time in pursuing God. I see the relational connections you make with people. I see how you remember that person's birthday. All of those little details, people will start to come up and arise within community and pour into you when the enemy is trying to deter you from what biblical community actually is. My next point is that biblical community, discipleship in the biblical context, honestly just makes life better, my opinion. Personally, my opinion, it makes it better. I can um, speak to my own convictions, and if you've been here at COIN since we were in the backyard at Patty's house, um, in, her, in her house, I remember when we started everything, and I kid you not when I say I'm an introvert, and I, I am working on that very much. But I remember back then we would set up and I would help because I wouldn't have to worry about setup because it's like you're on a you're you're focused on a subject, you're focused on the mission, right? But once once setup was done, it's like I have to talk to people. I'm going to go in on the couch and I would sit there and literally talk to the person next to me the whole time. I would not get up. I would not challenge myself and thank goodness for community because now if you see me out there, I will at least say hi, and I'm working on it. I'm working on community, and I'm up here, and I'm saying yes to the call to more of what community looks like, pouring in, stepping in. But if you saw me then, you would say, oh, she's not relational at all. Are you sure you're in the right space? Are you sure you want this community? And it's like, yeah, I do. I just need to get out of my own way and step into what community looks like, step into biblical community. Solomon wisest man, so to speak, yes, said he is the wisest man. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one. And then it goes on to say this, good return for their labor is any, <sighs> two is better than one for good return for their labor. If any falls down, one can come with. If any falls down, one can help with. Pity the one who falls no one can help them up. 
I'm going to read that again. It says, two are better than one. Good return for their labor. If any falls down, one can help with. And then it says, pity the one who falls, for no one can help them up. So if you are by yourself, alone, and you go through trial, you go through turmoil, you go through things, and you are alone, pity the one who falls down, because who is there to lift you up? Who is there to say, it's okay, dust off your shoulders, take another step, there's another day ahead of you, there's so much more in store for you. It's not going to be perfect, like we said, it's not ideal always, but it's going to be real. We're going to be authentic, we're going to be honest, and sometimes honesty hurts. Sometimes honesty is great, because you're like, ooh, tell me how good I am, let's be honest. But sometimes it hurts, and it's like, oh, you told me how I'm not that good how I need to work on things, but it is real. And thank goodness for a community because when you fall, there's going to be someone here to pick you up, somebody there to pick you up. And if there isn't, I, I ask you to take inventory of your heart, take inventory of where you're at. Who are you surrounding yourself by? Who are you intentionally around? And, and how do you shift that perspective to where you are surrounded by people to where if you're praising God and it's all good and then your hands fall, who's going to pick those hands up for you when you get tired? Who are those people that are going to tell you, I got you even when the season is hard, even when the season is struggling and you don't see the end? Over time, things can be crumbling. And I see it all the time, to be honest. And I have seen it. And I, I hope this doesn't always continue. And I pray for this. But when people step out of community... I see it immediately. You pull out a community because you got in a relationship and you're too busy and you don't have time now. Well, when you step out of that line of community and then you're like, oh, this is going wrong, this is going wrong, and you're like, where do I go? Well, well, lean back into that community. You should have never stepped out to begin with. You should be in that relationship in the midst of community. You should be processing what it likes to be in that, in the midst of community. Even me and my tempt uh, when I had children, the chaos of bringing new children into the world. It is so hard. They make you so tired. You are worn out. You look like, at least for me, some mornings I wake up, my mascara is down to my cheek and I didn't fix it till 3 p.m. They wear you out. But if you are out of the lines of community, biblical community, not just YMC community, YMCA community, biblical community that calls you to discipleship, you will have people who say, hey, I see that you're going through it. I see that you look tired. Can I come over? Can I drop off a meal? Maddie, when Sam went to Oregon for the few days, she's like, friend, I'm here. If you need to bring Lenya over, I got you. Alessandra, I met her at, at the park so that I could just let Lenya play with her little girls. Like that is what community is. It's like, I see you where you're at. Let me partner with you in that. Let me be a part of that, even in the chaos, so that those struggles that you go through, the community helps you stay grounded. But they don't just say the right words that you want to hear. They say the words that are rooted in scripture, the words that call you to Christ-likeness, call you to more, okay? So don't opt out because you're going to be exposing yourself to the world. Don't opt out of community. Don't do it. Influences of others will shape you. So keep in mind who is shaping you, what is shaping you, right? 
And when you are born, when you are made in the image of God, we have our moments. We have sinful moments, but don't stay there. Repent. Tell God, I'm sorry. I'll do better. I want to do better. And then keep going forward. Don't stay there. Don't let the aloneness keep you stuck. Don't do it. And single friends, I know I have been saying marriage a lot. Um, If I could encourage this to you also, because marriage is not perfect, but sometimes the majority of things and issues in marriage, in the discipleship process, a lot of our issues were things we could have fixed before marriage in our singleness. So if you are single in this room, work hard to disciple disciple yourself now. Get together with a friend that you can be honest with, authentic, open up your heart, and that you can trust and sit down and say, okay, here's what I'm going through. Pray for me. Here's what I'm going through. Remind me that this is not who I am and work through those things because a lot of the things that came up in marriage were things that I could have dealt with when I was single. My pride, ouch, Sam calls it out real quick. And he should, but if I worked on it, harder, more diligently, and in communion with God and what the Holy Spirit wanted to do through me in those moments, we would have had a much easier first year of marriage, let me tell you. It would have been different, still hard, but different because I was leaning in intentionally in a certain way, right? So the goal here is Christ-likeness in your singleness, in your married, in your dating, whatever season you are at to be more like Christ. So there's going to be four things I want to leave you guys with today. And if worship, you guys can come up um, if you're out here. Um, These four things. One is, are you committed to community? But committed to God first. Community. Community follows. Are you committed? Are you devoted? What does your life reveal about your commitment? And ultimately, is your life portraying what you worship? Are you showing to others you worship soccer games more than community? Are you sharing with people you worship those coffee Starbucks more than actually being generous and buying somebody something else when you didn't have, you know? Are you pouring into people? What is your worship? What are you spending? What are you putting your time into, your talents? Have you set aside time in the morning to read your scripture what is your focus on and then consistent are you consistently committed do you have time set aside Sundays I show up I show up but not just on Sundays I show up to a Bible study in the city because we're discipling we're in the discipleship process are you consistently committed to the vision moving the church forward the mission bringing people into that and then investment. Where's your investment at? Do you have proximity with people? Are you in a relationship with people to where if you drifted off, would they know? Would they know? And then be honest. Be real. (coughs) Sam, can you come up and pray? (coughs) And a water. We don't have water down here, but we'll get one for you, Cal. Hopefully we'll do one. Let's go ahead and pray. Would you stand with us, please? Man, that was amazing.
Michael. Yeah, so good. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful, God, for your word. Jesus, we're grateful for different voices. Uh, I'm grateful for a wife that is slow and calm and easy. So I pray, God, that we would have those types of people in our lives, the calm within the storm, those that call us to more, push us to more, those that speak deeply into our soul. God, I pray over this community, and I stand, Father, and, and, and ask, God, that you would bring out the best in all of us. And sometimes, God, bringing out the best means someone being honest with us, bringing, building that equity and building that uh, proximity with one another. And Father, I, I want to be more like you. I want my character to be refined. When I say things that I shouldn't say, I want there to be people in my life that don't just tell me what I want to hear, God. So Father, would you bring those people, even right now, Father, if there's anyone in the room and you're just like, I don't have those people. I don't know. I don't have that community. I pray, Lord, that you would direct them, that you would guide them, that you would bring them into a, a, a people, Father, that are going in the same direction towards Christ-likeness. We honor you this morning, Father. And as we sit on that word, I pray that it would resonate deep within our soul, that we would be committed to community. And Father, in that, as we we breathe that in and we breathe that out as we go into our family, into the society, into work, God, that we would bring that word to our world. And right now, Father, I just pray that we would honor you, worship you, glorify you, celebrate with the saints.